Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So happy to have you joining me today for a brand new week. Thank you for joining us on the Monday broadcast. So today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 46. Psalm 46, why should I trust God in this brand new year? I want you to know that God has a way of showing up right in the middle of a mess. I remember when you had children and they were young and, uh, and they would make a mess of the playroom. And you walk in there and you see toys everywhere. You see everything scattered and it's a total disaster area. And so you ask your children, hey, would you, would you pick things up? Would you put things away? And, uh, and they don't do it, right? And so then you jump right in the middle of the mess and you sit down on the floor and you start organizing things and you start putting things away. And all of a sudden they come over and join you. Well, that's kind of what God does in our lives. Uh, he shows up in a mess, and we can't get ourselves out of the mess half the time. And a lot of times, we don't even know what has caused the mess. And so God comes along with His grace, and He empowers us. Uh, he gets us the example that we need to follow. And First Peter says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Uh, so let God into your mess. He will give you grace and he will give you peace because somewhere along this new year, I don't know what it's going to be, but somewhere along this new year, you're going to run into some trouble. I tell people all the time, uh, you're going to find yourself constantly in one of three places. Either you're in the middle of trouble, right? Uh, maybe that's where you spend a lot of your time, right? Smack dab in the middle of trouble. Well, if you're not there, you're just coming out of trouble. And that's such a great relief. It's like, okay. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm coming out of this trouble. Things are starting to look up for me. Uh, well, if you're not in that position, the third position you'll find yourself in is getting ready to go back into trouble. <laughs> so you're either in trouble, coming out of trouble, or getting ready to go back into trouble. I love what Job said in Job 3.25. He said, you know, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Uh, that's happened to me a few times. Things that I dreaded were going to come true. Sure enough, uh, they came true. Some people would call it Murphy's Law. I call it life. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong and always at the most inopportune time. Uh, well, do you remember our nation in the year 2001, specifically on 9-11? Do you remember what happened a few days after that terrible attack on our nation? Well, flags sold out. People gathered together to pray for a nation. Uh, we even had a special day of prayer. There was a sense of calm that took place shortly after September 11. As a matter of fact, I remember watching CNN, and they were showing people going through the Lincoln Tunnel, and they were walking through hand-in-hand, hand, and they were praying. People were giving away free water. There was a sense of love. It seemed like people actually looked beyond themselves. Franklin Graham was hosted on CNN, uh, not for just a few minutes, not for one hour, but for four hours, CNN interviewed Franklin. During that time when we had that special day of prayer, Psalm 46 was part of a congregational gathering in D.C. in September of that year. In light of all that happened in 9-11, and I know that sounds like a long time ago right now, but you know they did a survey right after 9-11, and 
and it discovered about 56% of Americans were overwhelmed and filled with fear. They feared that the attack was going to happen again, and they might be next. Well, today and tomorrow, we're going to look at Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is an amazing psalm. It's talking about the fact that God is our refuge, God is our river, and God is our ruler. We're going to develop these three points in just a moment as we get through the broadcast today. But Psalm 46 was written at a time of great calamity. That great reformer, Martin Luther, after pouring himself over Psalm 46 during a difficult time in his life, penned that famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I love that hymn. We sang it in our church on Sunday to coincide with the study of Psalm 46. But Luther says, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. That first stanza of a mighty fortress is our God is a stanza that is kind of depressing, right? Uh, It talks about this foe that we have and this fact that there's nobody on earth that is equal to him. That's not talking about God. That's talking about Satan. Uh, The fact that Satan is this terrible, vile, evil force in, in our society. So thankfully, Martin Luther didn't end with that, and and I thanked our worship leader on Sunday for not just singing the first verse of that hymn, but singing the second verse, where we discover that God is our refuge, and, and God is the one that gets us out of the mess that we find ourselves in, and He is a mighty fortress. Well, as we look at Psalm 46, let's look at the first three verses. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, although the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, here we discover that as we look at this psalm, that God is our refuge. For God is our salvation, an ever-present help, even in the midst of our trouble, especially in the midst of our trouble. Well, you know, that word refuge is an interesting word. It's a word that talks about a place of rest. It's a place that we can go when we need to be safe, when we need to be protected. You know, whenever I think about that word refuge, I always am reminded of a trip that I took with my daughter several years ago. And uh, she was uh, getting to the point, she was finishing up her college, and, and I wanted to take a trip with her. And so uh, we were going to go to Canada, but unfortunately, at that time, I didn't realize you had to have a passport to get into Canada, and so I didn't bring my passport with me. And so I said, well, honey, we're going uh, to make a change, right? And so we decided to go up through New England and, and uh, go up into the White Mountains, and, and I wanted to take her up Mount Washington. And I remember as a kid, my dad took me up to Mount Washington uh, there in New Hampshire, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity. And uh, if you've ever been up to Mount Washington, have a cog railroad that will take you up to the summit. Uh, It's a pretty amazing trip. 
It's a fun trip. It's a trip that you got to really go to enjoy it, right? Pictures uh, really don't do the full surface of what you're going to experience by getting up to the top of Mount Washington. Well, many people try to climb this mountain. And, uh, you know, Mount Washington is known as the place with the worst weather in the world. I mean, uh, the winters are cold. As a matter of fact, just a few days before doing this broadcast, they have a weather station, an observation station, that's a nonprofit observation weather station on the top of Mount Washington. And you can actually go on the website and you can follow the weather 24 hours a day, seven days a week on top of Mount Washington. So when I was doing this message, I jumped on that website and I found that that on the top of Mount Washington, now this is in January, it was negative eight degrees and it was snowing. And uh, in New England this past weekend, we received about 16 inches of snow. Uh, they actually got more snow down at the base uh, than they did on the top because it was so cold on the top. For some reason, it affects the snowfall because it's so cold. Amazing when you think about the various temperature ranges up on top of Mount Washington. And it's not a super high mountain. It's, a, uh, it's only 6,200 feet above sea level, just above over a mile high. And not the tallest mountain in the United States, but it is a place where there's a great um, a change in the weather constantly. Well, when I took my daughter up on top of that mountain, we took the Cogware Road up there, and we got to the top, and it was cold, even though it was July. And you'll notice that the summit, from the base to the summit, there's always about a 20-degree difference in the temperature. It's always about 20 degrees colder up on the summit, even in the middle of summer. It might be 65, 70 when you leave the summit, but it'll still be 45 or so degrees when you get to the top of the mountain. So on the top of Mount Washington, behind the weather observation building, there is a small house. It is called the Tip Top House. Uh, it was built back in the 1800s. It was actually built in 1870. And the Tip Top House was put up there as a place of refuge. So if you're trying to climb Mount Washington, especially uh, when it's super cold, you would climb up and uh, you would get to the summit and you would find this place of refuge. You'd spend a night or two there and then you'd begin your descent because going down Mount Washington uh, is almost as dangerous as climbing up to the summit. Well, I had a picture of the tip-top house and then I had a second picture of the tip-top house and the second picture shows the entire house encapsulated with snow and ice. Because of the crazy weather they have on Mount Washington, uh, it can change fast. Now, can you imagine what would happen to you if you're on the top of Mount Washington and you're just in a tent? Uh, you don't have a strong refuge to protect you, and all of a sudden, overnight, there is this snowstorm that comes through. Well, this snow is so high and so powerful that it encapsulates the entire tip-top house. And so they build up around the tip-top house a stone wall to protect it from wind, protect it from snow, and protect it from ice. So if you're inside of this refuge, you're okay. You can survive. As a matter of fact, they have it set up so that you could survive several weeks if you had to inside of this refuge. Well, why would you know that God is our refuge? He is an ever-present help in our time of trouble. Because of this, you don't have to be filled with fear. As we begin another year, I want to remind you that God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you are facing fear, don't say, well, God's given me this fear. No, God doesn't give us fear. 
God is not the author of fear or the giver of fear, but he gives us love and of a sound mind. Paul understood this concept. When he fought for that release from that throne in the flesh, he says, God's grace is sufficient. So the psalmist says, even though it feels like the earth gives way, it feels like the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea, I'm not going to be afraid because God is my refuge. God is my strength. He is ever-present, ever-present in my time of need. So today, I want you to know that you can rest in Him. Jesus is the one that gives us that refuge. And He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, Jesus is reminding us that we need to come to him. The more you become burdened, the more you become weary, the more you need to rest in him. He says, yoke up with me. You know, when you yoke up with Christ, he is taking the brunt of that weight of that load. I guess you could say we're just kind of long for a free ride. You know, whenever you yoke two animals together, you always have one that is the lead animal and the other animal kind of just goes along. Oh yeah, they're both carrying some of that burden, but it is the lead animal that is carrying the brunt of that burden. That's what Jesus does for us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So not only is he giving us that rest, he's teaching us in the process of carrying that burden with us, he is teaching us, and he says, you know what? I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Maybe today you want to make a change in your life. You know, the greatest changes in your life must be preceded by a time of rest, a time where you reflect, a time where you are calm. Jesus even says that here in this verse. He says, I got to get you settled down before I can teach you something. You got to yoke up with me. So that is also holding us back. That is restraining us. And I don't know about you. Have you ever noticed this? When you get lost, there's two things I do when I'm driving and I get lost. Number one, I drive faster. Now, did you ever notice that? Oh, so we're going to go ahead and drive faster so that we can get further from our destination and we can become even more lost at a faster rate. <laughs> well, maybe you don't do that, but for some reason I do that. And the second thing I do when I get lost is I turn the radio down. I guess I'm thinking I can hear better, but there is some benefit to that. All right, Jesus says, I am gentle, I am humble and you will find rest for your souls. You see, he actually takes and eases our burden so he can teach us to rest in him. You know, we can also rely on him. Not only do we find our rest in him, not only do we find the instruction from him, but we can rely on him. You know, I love what Paul says to the Hebrew believers. He reminds them, there's a couple of things you need to know about Jesus. And you, you need to know, number one, that he cannot lie. You ever get some bad information from somebody, and then you find out later they were not being forthright with you, they weren't being honest with you? You don't have to worry about that happening. Paul reminds us that God has an unchangeable nature, and when he says something, it is going to happen, because God cannot lie. We have this anchor in him, says Paul. And that anchor is found in the fact that we have Jesus Christ 
as our high priest forever. Listen, you can rely on him. I promise you, you can rely on him. Well, we've learned that God is our refuge and our strength. Let's look down now at verses, the next few verses, verses 4 through 6 in uh, Psalm 46. Verse number 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She shall not fear. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. Now, the psalmist uses that little phrase, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Well, we talked about Mount Washington as an example of a place of refuge, that refuge on top of the mountain. We learn from this passage that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. I want to look now at the Mississippi River. Did you know the Mississippi River is 2,340 miles long, making it the fourth longest river in the world? Now, the Nile River is the longest, but when you look at the Mississippi, it's pretty long, okay? As a matter of fact, when a drop of rain falls in the middle half of our country, it will eventually drain into the Mississippi River because half of our country is drained down through the Mississippi River. That's why it's called the mighty Mississippi, right? So if you had a drop of rain and it started at the beginning of the Mississippi River, it would take about 90 days for it to drop and go down into the Gulf of Mexico. When we think about this river, Currently, the river and all of its tributaries drain 31 states of the United States. And then two Canadian provinces actually drain into the Mississippi River. In total, this measures about 1.2 million square miles that are drained into the Mississippi River. That's the equivalent of about one-eighth of the entire North American continent. Now, this is huge, right? The Great River Road was built as a scenic railroad that runs along the Mississippi River so people can kind of watch what is happening in the Mississippi River. It's one of the world's busiest commercial waterways, and it's uh, been uh, the subject of a lot of modification, right? Well, the Mississippi River drops an amazing 1,475 feet from its source up in North Minnesota all the way down into the Gulf of Mexico. It's a huge river, and unsurprisingly, it's a river that has a lot of history behind it. And as you look at this river, it also has a very large ecosystem. Lots of fish, birds, amphibians, and mammals. There are at least 50 species of mammals in the river or around the river. There are 360 species of fish in the Mississippi River. There are 320 different species of birds that are around the Mississippi River. Amazing when you think about it. When you think about this river, approximately 25% of all of the fish in North America call the Mississippi River their home. Amazing. There's only one major waterfall 
in the whole entire length of the Mississippi River. It's the St. Anthony Fall. And as we look at this fall, we're from the Hampton Roads area, and so we are familiar with uh, waterways, right? And uh, we have a good-sized waterway uh, that runs along the coast of our area here. And if you are familiar with the Great Bridge area, the coastal waterway goes right through Great Bridge, and they have a thing called the locks. And so that's how they transport ships from higher level to lower level. You get into these locks, and it fills up with water, and then it lowers you down. Well, there's a lock system there by St. Anthony Falls that allows shipping to take place, and it's just kind of amazing when you think about it. Now, when you look at the Mississippi River, and it's a dangerous river, it can look really deceptive, but a lot of people have lost their lives because of the strong current within the Mississippi River, especially in the springtime of the year when all the snow is melting from the northern states, and they dump down into the Mississippi River. You know what I think about? The mighty Mississippi. There is so much blessing that we receive by having that river. I think about the blessing that God has given to us. The psalmist says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And it is where the most high dwells. The psalmist is reminding us that we have this supply that is found in this river, and it's a river of God himself. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there was a river that went right through the center of the Garden of Eden. Did you know that in heaven, there is a river? It's called the River of Life. Did you know that uh, in heaven, there are no oceans, but there is a river? Now, how does that work? Because here in the earth, all of the rivers eventually drain into an ocean, yet the ocean never overflows because of the water cycle. How is it that there can be a river in heaven that will never flow into an ocean? Well, that river is a stream from God that is a holy place. It is where the Most High dwells. God is that supply that he wants us to tap into. God is our river. God is our refuge and ever-present help in our time of need. In John chapter 4, Jesus mentions rivers of living water. He says, on that last day, the great day of the festival, Jesus, he stood up and he said these words with a loud voice. Let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, by this, he meant the Spirit. Now, John is actually interpreting what Jesus just said. He meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So John is telling us about this living water that will flow from within Christ to us through the Spirit. So the river represents the life-giving power of the Spirit. It's the provision that God gives to us. Well, I want you to join me tomorrow for part two of today's message. And as we look at this message, can I trust God, especially in a brand new year? I want to give you a resounding yes. God is our refuge. Would you rest in him?
God is our river. Would you allow him to nourish you and provide for you? And then God is our ruler. Would you allow him to guide you every step of the way? Well, join me for part two on the message of Psalm 46. Now, in the closing minute of the broadcast today, if I can pray for you, you know, I would be honored to pray for you. Just the other day, I went into Home Depot and I asked the cashier as I was getting ready to leave, I said, thank you so much for getting me checked out. You got me out here quickly. I said, can I ask you one question before I leave? I says, can I pray for you? And so this lady says, absolutely. And so she had some personal concerns in her life. And so I just took a minute and I prayed with her. You know, I want you to know that God cares about every burden that you're carrying. Can I pray for you? And if there's something that you'd like me to pray for you specifically about, just shoot me a text, 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm praying that this new year will be an incredible year for you. Or oh, there's going to be some difficulties in this new year, but I'm going to pray that God will give you that peace that transcends all understanding. It's a peace that is given to us through Jesus Christ himself. So, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. Fully rely on him. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. I appreciate you listening. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.